one December night, over two thousand years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. Twas the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon. Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look. Let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. <laughs> Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs uh, them there's no room... Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, no stable. <sighs> Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So, it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh, yeah. A whole posse, even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. <laughs> well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see... Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that! Music! Well, there you go. Maybe you'll never look at the miracle of Christmas again, but at the same way. But uh, I want to talk about the miracle of Christmas and what it is on this Christmas morning and see if we can catch a glimpse of it. Just in passing, uh, we had a, a wonderful time yesterday at the uh, Carols in the Paddock and uh, we were, this morning we received a, a message from one of our neighbours who said, thank you from a grateful heart for your Carols in the Paddock on Christmas Eve. I appreciated every moment.
I live nearby but find it a little difficult to get out now. You filled my unit with the love of Jesus through song. Mm-hmm. So uh, not, not all the people who were impacted by carols in the paddock were there physically. There you go. And uh, today we've, we've been taking a journey looking at the, the candles of Advent. The candles of Advent are profound. One of the dangers with Christmas is there's, there's incredible depth behind many of the, the Christian traditions uh, of Christmas. There's not a lot of depth behind other traditions, but the, the words chosen for the, the Christmas wreath and the Christmas candles are profound because they are the deepest longings of the human heart. We start the Advent season with the candle of hope and then we move to peace and joy and love, all things that are summed up in and through Jesus. And one of the dangers is on Christmas Day, the, the true meaning of Christmas can go missing with the best will in the world. The true meaning of Christmas, we, we catch a little bit of a glimpse of in, in Matthew chapter 1, where we hear the angel talking to Joseph and trying to prepare him for what's coming. And he says, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, about processing how to respond to Mary, that is, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. At this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we light this candle today. That it is a symbol. It stands above the others as a reminder that you just don't get hope, peace, joy and love any other way than through this baby born in Bethlehem. And again, you don't really understand the significance of Easter unless you pick up the whole book of the Bible, that one of the dangers is we, we pick up the, the little bits and pieces we like, but that the Christmas story makes sense in light of the, the whole Bible. From the very first chapters where you get this picture of people being created in God's image and this lovely picture of God hanging out with people in Genesis chapter 3, going for a walk, and then... Through the, the, the Old Testament, God's heart was to dwell with his people. And he created these, uh, initially a tabernacle, then the temple, where he could be with his people. And it, there was always, it was always a partial thing because he couldn't fully... It wasn't, in the book of Genesis, we get this picture of God hanging out, like walking through the garden in the, in the cool of the evening... And, and it was ne- never quite the same. The, the whole idea of the tabernacle and the temple was just to remind to, that God, so that God could be with people, but people wouldn't get annihilated by the presence of true love, joy, peace and hope. 
And so they were hoping and praying. And uh, if, you've, if you're interested, there are the notes for this, this short message uh, are in the YouVersion Bible app this morning. So if you, if you have that, you'll, there's a couple of quotes I'm going to have about the real meaning of Christmas that I've put in there. But if you want to understand what people were longing for, it's, there's a really confusing big book of the Bible called Ezekiel. It's, a, it's a, written by one of the prophets. And it's this sad, sad story initially of the, the presence of God leaving the people and the, the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. But this promise, and this is the promise, uh, after the glory of the Lord has departed the temple, this is the promise in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, my servant David will be king over them. Now, of course, David was dead a long time earlier. So all Jewish people reading that would understand that what that means is someone in the line of David is going to somehow be king. And it says, and, and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. So again, it's saying that somehow this person in the line of David is going to live forever. And again, people go, for us, we just read it because we all are familiar with the Christmas story and kind of think, oh yeah, we know what that means. He goes on and says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. This promise of a new covenant. And it will be an everlasting covenant. So this sense that the, the, the covenant that was made on Sinai was not going to be sufficient. There was going to be a new covenant needed. I will establish them and increase their numbers and I'll put sanctuary among them forever. Listen to this. My dwelling place will be with them. This is the great promise of the Old Testament, that somehow God again is going to find a way to hang out with people, to, to be present with people. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. That then sets up the game. And if you look at the last two chapters of the Bible you'll get a sense of what that, that was the ultimate promise of. But this sense that David would be their king, no one prepared them for what that would look like. A baby born in Bethlehem. And we get so familiar with the story, we don't understand just how weird, but also how profound it actually was. I... Um, in my, I've been using a little app called Lectio 365, which is just a, a daily Bible reading app where someone reads the Bible to you, which sometimes if I'm a bit tired, that's a helpful thing for me. Um, and uh, the, a guy who's really behind it all, and he's also behind a, a course that our small group did called the, the Prayer Course, uh, wrote this. He said this. His name's Pete Gregg. A baby... Lying in a manger. I've become so familiar with this story that I forget to be shocked by it. This is the staggering message of Christ's incarnation. God's glory became dirt 
so that we, the scum of the earth, might become the very glory of God. This then is our creed, he writes. We believe in the blasphemous glory of Emmanuel. Infinity dwindled to infancy, as Gerald Manley Hopkins put it. We believe in omnipotence surrendering to incontinence. Think about that for a minute. The name above every other name, rumoured to be illegitimate. We believe that God's eternal word once squealed like a baby and when eventually he learned to speak, it was with a regional accent. The creator of the cosmos made tables and presumably, as he was still learning the trade, he made them badly at first. The Holy One of Israel got dirt on his hands. No one was expecting a baby born in Bethlehem. No one was expecting a, this Christmas story. They were expecting a king to come and bring a political kingdom. Christmas is not a safe story. And one of the dangers is behind the tinsel and the wrapping paper, we can kind of make it safe. Christmas invites us to a different way of life, a whole different way of thinking about what's important. One of my heroes was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer ultimately would give his life trying to bring World War II to an end. Uh, he was a great Christian theologian. And he said this, Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honour, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high. Whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness. This baby born in Bethlehem would go up to be the man who says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And there is this incredible future we look forward to where God will dwell with people unambiguously. The new city will come and all every tear will be wiped away from every eye. It's just going to be fantastic. In the meantime, though, there is a way that God wants to hang out with us now. Because of the baby, God now dwells with people. It's what he, Jesus would call his kingdom. 
And what he says to us is, is the same, I think, as what he wrote to a, a, another little church uh, in the, the town of Laodicea. And he says this, Here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I will come in and dwell. I'll come in and hang out. I'll come and do life. Christmas was the fulfilment of the yearning of the Old Testament, the fulfilment of God dwelling with his people. It wasn't how people expected it. And on this Christmas morning, let's just take a moment to remember what Christmas is actually about. That in the darkest, dirtiest, most complicated moments of your life, there is Emmanuel. As my mate Pete, who, I'm, who we missed this morning, was familiar, and, and we keep coming back to Psalm 23. This is the, the picture of the, the good shepherd and what he would say in Psalm 23 is that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. The whole of humanity was walking through the valley of the shadow of death and God came to be with us. Let's just pray on this Christmas morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are Emmanuel. Thank you that you are God with us. And that Christmas is a big story that invites us to think differently about what the real meaning of Christmas really is. Thanks for the joy on the kids' faces. Thanks for the light and the, and the family moments. Thanks for the reunions. But also, Jesus, we acknowledge that for many this morning, it's not going to, they're not going to be waking to with a deep sense of joy, but a deep sense of sadness or grief or pain. For those and for all of us, Jesus, help us remember you are Emmanuel. You are with us. And that all we need to do is open the door. For those of us who have, you know welcomed you in before but sort of it kept you in a safely in a corner can you help us welcome you back right into the center of our lives on this christmas morning and for those of us who are still in the process of opening the door help us open it fully and help us experience the life that comes through you thanks to this christmas morning and all that it symbolizes Thank you for the hope, peace, joy and love of Christmas. But most of all, Jesus, thank you for who you are. And thank you for Christmas. Amen.